Good afternoon and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. So thrilled to have you in here in early June as we chat with Al Weinsman from the Gallup organization. Really excited to share with you some great news. Later on this week, we will be launching the June issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine. If you're interested in taking a look at that issue, you can check it out centervisionleadership.org slash magazine and that issue will be up later on this week so stay tuned we'll be tweeting about it very shortly if you enjoy the conversation today I want to encourage you to join us on Thursday evening at 9 Eastern for hashtag nonprofit chat we're gonna dig deeper into the questions surrounding strengths and how you implement those in your organization but without further ado, so thrilled to have Al Weinsman with us. Dr. Al Weinsman is a senior consultant with the Gallup organization. He has spent 15 years on the ground with Gallup, seen a lot of change over the years, but has been central to a lot of the work that they've done in bringing the strengths-based approach to organizations all over, not only the country, but all over the globe. Al, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Todd, for inviting me. It's great to be here with you and, uh, and your guests this morning. Absolutely. So, Al, I'm sitting here and I've seen a lot of talk about strengths. People constantly bandy that term around. But would you, for just a second, take us on a little bit of a history tour? Where did this concept of, of strengths come about and, and how have we reached from that point to today? Sure, love to. Um, yeah, it, it really began with the work of Dr. Don Clifton. And uh, Don Clifton uh, came back uh, from World War II and decided he wanted to spend the rest of his life um, uh, making a positive contribution to the world. And mm -hmm. so he went into, went into psychology. He was the, uh, the head of the educational psychology department at the University of Nebraska. And one of the things that Don noticed in, uh, in psychology is the focus on what's wrong. That, that there were very, very few studies on what's right with people. And Don, Don was, was, was really a questioning mind. And he, he really kind of posed this that kind of started the foundation of his work. What would happen if we begin to focus on what's right with people instead of fixating on what's wrong? Mm -hmm. And so that began Don's search and focus on what's right with people. And uh, so he started his work at the University of Nebraska. Um, and uh, left the University of Nebraska in 1969. Actually, uh, my father was one of Don's last doctoral students at the University of Nebraska. So, wow. Yeah, I, I kind of grew up with a, with a strengths-based approach and the idea yeah. of talent. Um, but, but Don started his work in studying people who were successful. Mm. And because Don was in education, um, he, 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 he wanted to ensure that, that there were better teachers out there. And so he had a very simple question, very simple premise. Uh, if you want better teachers, why don't you find out who your best are and hire more like your best? Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's that's uh, easier said than done. And so Don started looking at what are the talents that make great teachers yeah. um, and found that the very best do things differently. And then, and they, they speak differently. And so he created some assessments uh, to help uh, to help identify the best in particular roles. But from there, he expanded his work into, into the general population, just people in general. And so uh, Don wanted to create an instrument whereby you could identify how people were wired 
and look at a way that, that you could find out what where their talents were, those natural ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving. So he started really a 30-year process of developing the Strengths Finder, which is uh, the, the instrument that we use today, the Clifton Strengths Finder. Um, and he really started just by asking questions. And he asked thousands of questions. The original research around the Clifton Strengths Finder uh, are, 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 are interviews with two million people uh, to find out where their talents and strengths lie. So he asked the questions, and then let's see what the question, what the answers tell us. And from that, he identified 34 uh, themes of talent. And a theme is a group of talents. And so when you take the, the Clifton Strengths Finder, uh, you get your top five out of those 34 themes, what we call your signature themes uh, that identify uh, your, your the, the ways in which you're naturally wired to think, feel, and behave. Um, just before Don's death in 2003, he was named the father of strength psychology by the American Psychological Association. Uh, and and really, his, Don, Don said one time, uh, just just as, as as we were developing uh, the online version of StrengthsFinder, wouldn't it be something if a million people took this? Uh, do you think do you think think we could get a hundred thousand? Uh, well, just last week we passed twelve million people worldwide who've taken the Clifton Strengths Finder. Wow! Yeah. Twelve million. Twelve million. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and so and so the the whole idea of strengths has really taken off. Um, uh, and, and, and the idea of, of focusing on strength, because what Don found in his research is that the very best in a role focus on their strengths. They develop their strengths. They, they, they focus on what they do best. And instead of trying to fix their weaknesses, they manage them so they don't get in the way. They manage them and they spend most of their time focusing on their strengths, those things that they do best. Um, and really, that's, uh, that's where we find that you have your greatest potential for growth, your greatest potential for excellence is in focusing on developing your talents and the strengths and not ignoring your weaknesses, but manage them so they don't get in the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and do, you know, just do the minimum there, but focus on who you are, which really kind of leads into, uh, you know, the, the, the area where I've done a lot of work, uh, which is in, uh, within a congregational setting. Um, in, in other words, um, focus on the way God has wired you, mm -hmm. your God-given strengths, and discover what those are, uh, and 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 focus on that in, in finding your best fit in the world. Now, that's such an interesting overview here because when we start thinking about the work of, of Dr. Clifton and over the course of time, we've had recently on our program, we've had Gretchen Spritzer, who is a positive organizational psychologist from the University of Michigan. Uh, my wife is a counseling psychologist from the positive psychology tree. We've had Dr. Everett Worthington for Virginia Commonwealth University who yeah. participated in this. And so we, we see the influence of this focusing on the positive as it impacts in a lot of different spheres. And, and we can in many ways, I guess, we can trace that back to Dr. Clifton, right? Oh, absolutely. He was one of the first to get together to, to, to gather all of the people who are studying positive psychology back uh, back when, it, when positive psychology was such an outlier in the world of psychology. 
and bring them together for the Gallup Positive Psychology Summits. And uh, that started uh, about 20 years ago when he would bring people like Ed Diener yep. uh, uh, from Indiana and uh, Martin Seligman from- I was gonna say there, you can't talk about it without talking about Marty, yep. No. So Marty Seligman and Ed Diener and uh, Shane Lopez, University of Kansas, and uh, the, what, what he's done in Hope, all of these great thinkers in the realm of positive psychology, Don would gather them together once a year for mm. our positive psychology summits. And uh, Don was really, he was, uh, the, the, the grandfather, if you will, of, uh, of positive psychology. Um, and his strength psychology uh, really became the foundation. So, so Don was really instrumental in this whole, this whole relatively new movement of positive psychology. Absolutely, and excuse my geeking out for a moment there when I go into that, folks. Uh, these are areas that I, I might be a little bit more interested in than the rest of you, but, but we really wanna dig in out to, to what you're doing now. You, mm -hmm. you mentioned you spent a lot of your time with the Gallup organization uh, working in the congregational settings, but I know you do a number of other things with Gallup. Would you, if you don't mind, just share briefly some of the areas that you work in? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in learning development. So I spend my time uh, and, and most of my attention focusing on developing people uh, in, in a strengths development mode. So I, uh, I, I, de I, I develop uh, and lead uh, lead programs around strengths, employee engagement, uh, leadership development around everything, our discoveries around leadership. Um, I do one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, strengths coaching. Uh, I write for our strengths blog. I've written a couple of books and written uh, a few hundred articles uh, for the Gallup Daily Briefing around uh, strengths development So, uh, and, 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 and what we do. So there's just a lot of different areas uh, where I work within Gallup. Absolutely, that's fantastic. And folks, I'm just gonna give you my bias. Um, living your strengths is sitting over my, my shoulder, um, but I also have about three or four other copies of it. It's one of those books that I, I keep a handful on hand, um, and Al is, is the lead author on that book, and it's something that uh, I, I've used. And so when we wanted to focus on the idea of strengths, Al was the perfect fit for us to talk to because He's worked on this in, in the nonprofit setting and within churches. And so that leads into, to me, what is a really important question. Al, why is it that most organizations, including nonprofits, churches, and others in that setting, why is it that we focus on the weaknesses of our staff first and foremost? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really... Uh, 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 I, I think a pertinent question is something that we focus on, particularly when we're dealing with with individuals, is we we fall into I think the, the 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 misguided thinking that the way to success is by focusing on our on what's wrong, and fixing it. Mm -hmm. If we just focus on fixing our weaknesses, because the conventional wisdom is, don't spend a lot of time on your strengths because you don't want to mess them up. Yeah. <laughs> we you're already doing well there. Let's focus on the things you don't do well. Sure. And, and when we ever have a developmental review, we spend the first five minutes talking about the, 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 the things you do well and the next 55 minutes talking about your areas of opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I know what those are. Those opportunities for failure is what they are sure. because we think that we need to be somebody different. And the idea is one of the things that we do is we minimize our talents is we think if I can do it, there's nothing special about me then anybody can do it. And That's a great point. It's flat out wrong because, again, Don's thinking, and this really fits, I think, in well with the, the, the 
the, the whole notion of creation spirituality, mm-hmm. Don, and through his research, he discovered that, that everyone does something better than about 10,000 other people. Mm-hmm. That's the uniqueness of talent. And so if it does come easy for you, it's probably not coming easy for others yeah. because you're wired differently. You do things differently. So because we think there's nothing special about us, we think everybody ought to be able to do this. And so we minimize our talents, but then we project them on others saying, you're not trying hard enough. Uh, you know, if you just apply yourself, you could do this. You know, if you just study harder, if you try harder, practice more, um, you know, you should be more organized, just work harder and here are the steps. Well, you know, if you're not wired that way, it's going to be difficult. So um, we just think that, 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 that everybody can learn anything. And if we just give you the right steps, you can achieve it instead of defining the outcomes. And this is the strengths-based approach to staff development is define the right outcomes in the role and then let each person find his or her own best route, their mm-hmm. path of least resistance. Um, and that's a strengths-based approach. But, 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 we, but we kind of feel so many times that, there's, that there are two ways to do things. So if, you know, if I'm the boss and I use that word intentionally, mm-hmm. There's my way to do things, and then there's the wrong way to do things. <laughs> and so, sure. so I want you to do it my way because that's the right way because it worked for me, uh, and because there's nothing special about me. And if I can do it, you can do it. Just do the things I do, and you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not the way individuals are wired. Yeah. So I think we fall into that trap a lot, thinking that we can learn anything. We can, if we just show you the right steps, if you practice enough, you can do anything. That's a great point, and that kind of leads me to thinking about um, a book that uh, one of our past contributors to Nonprofit Performance Magazine, uh, a gentleman by the name of J.R. Briggs. J.R. is a pastor in, in, I believe, in the Pennsylvania area, wrote a book about failure. Um, And I thought that was a very intriguing thing for a pastor to write about failure, but it led me to think about misfit, Mm. Um, the, the, the combination of person and organization and the struggle that we have sometimes with fit. So so I guess let me ask you this as a follow-up to your previous response. How important is right fit and strengths uh, as they work hand in hand when we think about the person or team and the organization as a whole? Yeah, I think that that's really, really important, the, the whole idea of fit getting in the right role getting the right fit to the role is 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 huge now uh, i want to want to want to say a word of caution is that strengths finder is never intended to be a selection instrument to tell you if you'll be successful in the role it tells you how you'll be successful in the role however the way that you're wired um you know it uh well it's going to tell you how you're going to be successful and what might or might not be a good fit Mm. for example if you have a theme called uh, discipline. That's precision. You like precision, detail, structure, order. Uh, well, you're not going to do very well in a chaotic environment. It's going to cause you a lot of stress because you like structure, detail, and order, and you like routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do best in that. And you can create order of, out of chaos. So you've got to know that sometimes the environments aren't going to be great. I used to, you know, before coming to Gallup, I was a pastor. And uh, um, one of the things that, that we joked about on my staff is, is hospital visitation. <laughs> i got to tell you, I was terrible at it. 
I just was not good. It's not that I'm afraid of hospitals or anything like that. Is I I just you can't go in there and I don't do small talk very well. Yeah. And I'm not the most I'm not the most brilliant conversationalist, and so it was just a struggle for me. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was kind of our joke on the staff is that you know what, um, if, if I show up, you're really sick. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: I knew that about myself. Mm-hmm. I knew that about myself. But what I could do very well was train other people to be great hospital visitors yeah. and create a team of visitors who could go do that. And, and, and be the represent, re- representatives of the church and who loved it and were great at it. Um, and so, so, so again, that part, of the, that part of the role, hospital, you know, calling on people in the hospital is incredibly important in pastoral ministry. But you don't have to do it the same way. You know, you don't have to do it the same way. You've got to find, you know, as a leader, what is it that you do well? And for a while, I felt really guilty about that. Mm-hmm. I felt really guilty because I should be able to do that. And what's wrong with me? And and why am I not better at this? Well, you know, I'm I'm just wired differently. And so, however, knowing that that's important, I can I can train people to do that and and take advantage of their talents. And that's kind of what I think uh, what what leadership is all about, particularly uh, in in the church world is it's about equipping people for ministry, helping people discover what they're called to do in their be and how they're wired and then equip them to do that. Um, and that I think is, is, is just kind of a, uh, I, I think that that's a biblical model, by the way, sure. of, of ministry. <laughs> but I also think too that, that, that somehow we think uh, that we hire clergy and staff to do ministry for us. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. Anyway, I've, uh, I'm going to get down off my soapbox. <laughs> no, this is great. And, and I think there's something about that guilt piece uh, that you identified that is a really hard piece. And I know um, we talk about kind of the social benefit sector, that sector at which, you know, we're seeking to bring positive impact to our society, whether it's in, in religious uh, or faith-based organizations or, or whether it's in other community-based organizations. But I think a lot of times we do hold on to that piece of guilt that we don't fit somebody else's image of something and, and we've got to identify who exactly we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think maybe that next question that follows is, so somebody comes to you, Al, and I obviously kind of know where this is going to go, but the, we hear these kinds of things a lot. I don't know what my strengths are. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what do I do? How do I how do I go? And, and I mean, I might suggest... Uh, a number of these books behind me, but how do you start that conversation with someone else? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you can, I, you know, and, and, and I think taking the Clifton Strengths Finder is a great way to do it. You can do it through one of the books or you can do it online through a, the gallopstrengthcenter.com where you can, uh, you can purchase a code for, for about $9 and, uh, and take the Strengths Finder and get your top five. That's a great that's a great way to do it, but it, but, but you don't want to stop there because uh, you can look at that and say, okay, I've done that, now what? Well, I think it, it's it's having that conversation. And if you're a strengths-based leader of an organization and believe in a strengths-based approach, uh, that's one of the places to have the conversation. But you also do can have those conversations with the people without taking the strengths finder about some of the things that Don called the clues to talent. So for example, uh, what are your yearnings? What kind of activities are you drawn to? What are the things you naturally, uh, what, what, what kinds of things do you want to do? 
where have you experienced rapid learning that you just pick up things on, pick up things on very quickly? Uh, that they told you once and you got it. They don't have to tell you again. Mm -hmm. um, where you experience excellence, those moments of unconscious excellence, where you're doing something and saying, wow, that was really good. How'd I do that? Um, the other one is, is flow. And uh, Mihaly, Chisholm Mihaly, another positive psychologist, has written a lot about flow and the idea of timelessness, where you're doing something when you lose track of time. Or, you, or the steps just seem to come naturally without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's that sense of, uh, of, of satisfaction and enjoyment. You know, what are those activities that say, wow, that was sure fun, or when can we do that again? So we start asking those questions. Um, what, what kinds of activities you're drawn to? Um, here's a great question. If, you, if, you're in a if you're in a nonprofit and you're interviewing a volunteer, um, ask them, what do you like best about your job? Mm -hmm. Tell me about your job. What do you like best? Because when people start talking about what they like best, most of the time they start, they're, they're describing what they do best. And then you can kind of get a sense from them the way they're wired and the things that come naturally. What do you do with ease, excellence, and enjoyment? So you can have those conversations to, to find out how people are wired. But if they've taken StrengthsFinder, you've, uh, you've got some great information there for you that you can start having those conversations. And I think this is such a pertinent topic. We, we've talked a lot in our program, and uh, even our March issue of the magazine was focused on millennials. Um, and, and as we think about the millennial generation and some of the things that we know about them in, in the macro sense, and then as well what we know about mentoring in general, a lot of times there's that that question of how do I do this, and you know what's best. And I, I think the the simple clues to talent. I, I love that terminology there. The simple clues to talent. Are a great place. Um, so, so Al, let me let me use myself as a guinea pig yeah. here. Um, I've not only taken the Strengths Finder, I've I've taken Standout, um, which was kind of a Marcus uh, Buckingham follow up here. I've taken these things. I've got my my five strengths. In fact, folks, I'm going to geek out for just a second. You can't see it, but off the wall over here is my big list of my top five strengths. But I'm, I'm a learner, I'm input, achiever, activator, and strategic. Those are my signature strengths. Once somebody has them, you're a strengths-based leader. Al, yeah. what do you do to kind of cultivate that in your team? Yeah, well, we'll just kind of do a little mini coaching session here. Um, <laughs> so you've got learner and input in that top five. Uh, this is, uh, which, which, you know what, you're in the perfect job <laughs> for you because learners love the process of learning. Uh, learners are always looking for a class they can take, a course they can take, a book they can read. They love the process of learning. And a lot of times learners, it's about mastery, mastering the subject, understanding more. Uh, but a lot of times it, it, it's just the, the pure process of learning. And so you probably like taking courses, workshops, going to conferences, learning different things. Yeah, that process. You might have hit the nail on the head, Al. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got input. Input is, is, is kind of a first cousin to learner, if you will. Input is more about the utility of knowledge or collecting. I take a look, and you've got a ton of books back there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, learners collect things. <laughs> I'm sorry, input, people yeah. with input collect things. Input, is, is, they're collectors, they're archivists, yeah. because it might be useful. 
uh, to you or to somebody else down the road. I don't want to throw it away. It might be useful. And maybe you, you collect ideas. Okay. But, but input's like a sponge. You soak it in, but then you got to squeeze it out because you want to be helpful. And it's a utilitarian. And it's less systematic than learner. Um, you have, uh, so, so you could, you could think and learn and think and learn and think and learn, right? And you like that. Mm-hmm. However, eventually there comes a time when your activator kicks in and says, okay, let's get started. Let's do something <laughs> yeah. going because activator is the let's get going theme. It's, it's action. It's that drive to start. You want to get something started, but then you've got achiever. An achiever is you're very productive. You like to get things done. You like to get things done. And I'm guessing, I may I may be wrong here, but I'm guessing that you probably make lists. Uh, a fair amount, yeah. A fair amount of lists, yeah. yeah. You check things off your list as you get them done. I, I do like that, that point of just taking the <laughs> line across it, yeah. And you may keep track of how many things you get done in the course of a day. Moderately, not as much as I probably should. Ah, there you go. Oh, yeah, be careful there. Yeah, but but yeah, you you feel a great sense of accomplishment. You got a lot of things going. You get things done. Um, you don't like to sit still, you know. And and it's it's vacations. Vacations may for you be filled with activity. Mm. And. It's stuff I want to do. I want to get this done. We got to go see this. This yeah. will be fun. Let's go do this. Yeah, yeah. Because achievers, that sense of achievement, that sense of accomplishment. But then you've got strategic. Strategic is is kind of that. Uh, it, it is consider the possibilities. You know, consider the options. Strategic is about options. You ask somebody with a strategic a question. Uh, a lot of times, the strategic answer is it depends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It depends. If you want to accomplish this, you can have option A, B, C, or D. But if you want to accomplish this, you've got option C, D, E, and F. So it's it's about options and it's about sorting to the best path. So you you may not be compelled to make a list every day, but when it's important, you do. When you've got it, when you've got to get things accomplished, you do. And you don't have to be doing everything. You've got to be busy, but it has to make sense in terms of it's going to help us accomplish where we want to go. Yeah, yeah, folks. I'm I'm laughing here because um, this is not the first time I've I've gone through this piece. First time Al and I have done this, and it, you know, Al and I know each other very little, but uh, we've been able to engage with each other. But I had somebody else uh, who who does some coaching in this, and in the organization that she uh, she worked with, she was a strengths coach for them. And and the first time this conversation ever happened, I, I was kind of. You know, it's almost the paranoia starts coming out. How, how'd you know that about me? Um, it, it, and it's real. I mean, the the research is there. It's very foundational. But there's something about recognizing the uniqueness of each person. I think, Al, you just really you isolated a lot of that just in this brief conversation here. So, so now we start thinking about that's me. And if we were to flip and we were to turn towards your strengths, and uh, we were talking about them before we went on air, Folks, uh, Al's strengths are, are so amazingly fit for him and his work as a consultant, the way he sees, the way he thinks, that futuristic ideation past. Um, but now let's let's take our organization, and, and whether that's a church, as you've done in, in Living Your Strengths, that's a nonprofit. We start thinking about 
the uniqueness of, of all of our people. How do we start bringing that together to find a real strengths approach for our organization, Al? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, and a couple of things as we start, you mentioned millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I, I, there was some research that came out, I think, a, a week ago or so. Uh, most uh, older employers think that millennials want two things. They want to make a lot of money and they want promotions right away. If you ask millennials what they want, they want meaningful work. Yeah. They want it to be meaningful. Yeah. And so, so this is where a strengths-based approach comes into play is meaningful work. And part of doing meaningful work is being able to do what you do best every day. And so then I can do meaningful work because it fits who I am and I'm making a difference. So if in, in the non in, in nonprofits, if you're working in a nonprofit organization and are dealing with volunteers, the other thing too is um, there's so the, the demands are so high on nonprofits now that you really can't afford to have the wrong people in the wrong role. Uh, just from efficiency and being able to deliver the services that you want to deliver, you've got to have the right people in the right role. And you've got to help people be do what they do best every day because you can't afford not to. Um, so you start this, the strengths-based approach and start by defining the outcomes in the role. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, um, do we have the right people? You know, uh, Jim Collins said you got to get the right people in the bus. Yep. Well, you got to get them on the right seat in the bus too. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you got the right person on the bus, get them in the right seat. So what makes sense for them? And one of the things that, that StrengthsFinder can help do in having strengths-based conversation is help people self-select into the roles that they feel will fit them the best. So why do you, why do you think you could do this well? What do you bring uh, that could make this happen? Uh, let's figure out the way you're wired and what makes a fit for you. And so those are so so again, a lot of times in nonprofits, particularly in the church area, we, we have so many slots to fill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the way we, we determine if, if, you, if you're qualified is, number one, do you breathe regularly <laughs> and you show up about half the time? Yeah. <laughs> then you're qualified because we want to make sure we want to lower the bar. Yeah. But what would happen? What would happen in our volunteer organizations if we started with you? If we started to find out the way that you were wired and then find an opportunity that fits who you are. Mm-hmm. So we start with you, not with us. Mm-hmm. We start with you. And that's a strengths-based approach is you start with the people, find out the way they're wired, find out what they're called to do, and then find or create a right fit for them. Yeah, that's so, I, such a, a reverse paradigm from what we're so used to. And yet, uh, I, I think, folks, as, as we listen to this, uh, we're probably nodding our head going, wow, that just makes, it makes so much sense. And yet we've got to flip our current practice in order to implement some of these things. Yeah. And, and what we find too is, is when you do that, it builds people's confidence. Mm-hmm. And when people have confidence, they can stretch and they feel more confident going into things that say, you know, I never really thought about this before, but because I've been successful and I'm confident in what I've done before, maybe I can do something very, very different. And so you've got to help people build confidence and resilience. That's a great point. I, I worked in some experiential learning environments, and we often talked about we have our comfort zone, our learning zone, and our danger zone. And, mm-hmm. and too often, I think we're, we're either throwing people into their danger zone or just letting them sit in their comfort zone. And we're, we're failing to have that growth, that stretch, as you talked about, in that learning zone. So that's a great approach. Al, I, I'm... One, I, I love this stuff. I, I think that there's so much here for each one of us. 
so so somebody's coming to this and and they're not familiar with with Gallup. They're not familiar with the strengths based approach. What's maybe that that first step for them to continue this conversation and, and to dig in deep? Where should they go, or what resources should they pursue? Um, well, a great place to go is just uh, our, our homepage, Gallup.com, and then you can start finding on strengths based development, employee engagement. Now you'll see a lot of our news feeds on that front line from all of our polling. It's the same company. Uh, Gallup, the, the Gallup poll is just one part of our business, but most of what we do is human development. So you can go there. Another place to go, which would be, which would give you some uh, a place to look, is as I mentioned earlier, GallupStrengthCenter.com. Uh, and when you go there, you can you can take the, the 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 strengths finder. But then there's also resources for coaches to find out more. Um, if you want to read some of the things around coaching, the strengths coaches playbook. Uh, and the blogs that are there, and some of the other aspects. There are other if you if, and then if you go to YouTube uh, and just Google Strengths or Strengths Finder, we've got a number of YouTube videos around uh, introductory videos around each of the 34 themes of talent. Uh, we've got a number of things there on YouTube, so we've got a YouTube channel as well. So uh, those would be some places to start. Again, any of the Gallup books would be a good place. Strengths Finder 2.0 is great. Um, now Discover Your Strengths, the very first book that was written uh, over a decade ago. Uh, my book, uh, written with uh, Kurt Liesfeld and Don Clifton, Living Your Strengths, looks at uh, looks at strength development within a congregational setting. So uh, those are a number of those places you can go. Absolutely. So a lot of resources out there, no matter whether you're the beginner or you're somewhere more advanced in your understanding of the strengths approach. The real key here is, is that we think that there's such a, a deep and important value in each of us understanding our own uniqueness and really uh, living in the place that is our strength. We all become, I think, more human uh, as we're playing in a role that that fits us. We, we understand our innate gifts, and, and there's something about that day uh, that you do the things that you love. I I, I hear all the time uh, in career development circles, people talk about, oh, they, they left that that career to do something they're really passionate about. And I, I say, well, what would it look like if, if we're really passionate about our work? You know, we're really passionate and we're living in those places. And I think the strengths-based approach is one of those things that can help us to identify the areas that we can really flourish and we can live uh, uh, flow as, as Mihai Csikszentmihalyi uh, talks about. So love the concepts here. Al, thank you so much for joining us. There's so many things I think that each of us can take away from this conversation. And I'm certainly hopeful that uh, our, our audience here as they continue to share this and grow this will think about next steps in their organization and be able to contact somebody like yourself to be able to say, how do I, how do I really grab hold and maybe go to the next level and finding some coaching, uh, finding a workshop or something like that, that might be in my area uh, that I can learn more. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Folks, we're, we're thrilled to have you in as we talk about these conversations. The reason we have great thought leaders like Al on is because we believe it's important for us in this social sector to be able to challenge where we're at to think about where we can learn from others, whether it's in our sector or outside of our sector, and, and move forward in such a way that we can flourish and bring greater impact on our communities and on our world. So thank you for joining us. Thrilled to have you in. Again, remind you, please join us Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're gonna be digging deeper into this conversation at hashtag nonprofit chat. 
Again, Todd Greer from Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.